Come on, I'm the one. Go ahead and say, I'm the one. Say what you say. I'm the one. What, what are you saying I'm the one for? I'm the one that God's going to use. I'm the one that God is going to maneuver. Here's the thing in church. Sometimes we feel like we have to have it all together to be the one. Sometimes we wait for the position to make a difference. Sometimes we say, man, I got to know this much scripture to talk about Jesus. No, listen, you're the one right here, right now where you're at. I want to talk about a man in the Bible named Ananias. And, and you've probably never heard of him because he's not that famous. He's not what he's done in the church. He's not really out there when it comes to his name. Ananias, there's even another Ananias. Ananias and Sapphire, they do something crazy in the church and they get swallowed up. It's crazy. Read your Bible. It's the best TV show ever. It's like, comes to life. Like, whoa. Ananias, no one knows about him. And here's why. Ananias is used by God to reach Paul. And I don't know if you know the Bible, but in the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament is written by this man named Paul. See, Paul wasn't growing up in the church. Paul wasn't growing up in, in, in the synagogues. You know Paul was? Paul, Paul was a... He was a Christian terrorist. And I love preaching about Paul because, man, ain't nobody in here be killing people. Hope not, all right? <laughs> so if you think God can't use you because you're in some drugs, listen, you have no idea who my God is. If you think God can't use you because you're a little frisky, listen, God can still use you, whoever you are, whatever you're doing. So Paul was, he said, frisky, what's that? <laughs> I don't got to explain. Lucia. Lucio or Susio. A dirt bag. All right, there you go. No matter who you are, God can still use you. You see, sometimes, here, here we go, ready? We, we count ourselves out because of what because we've done in the past. We count ourselves, God can't use me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am right now. I'm coming into church. You don't know what I did on my way to church. You don't know who I am. I can't be a preacher. I can't talk to people about Jesus. So sometimes we create this, this culture within ourselves that we're actually going to be who God called us to be when we got everything all together. Sometimes we create this, this relationship with God where it's like, I'm going to listen, I'm going to receive, but when it comes to the part when that message is supposed to flow through me, I'm not going to let it flow through me because I'm still dealing with stuff. And listen, that is not the biblical way to live. Because when I look at the Bible, when I look at who my God picks, he picks people like Ananias. Nobody's. You know what the Bible calls Ananias? They don't call him Ananias the prophet. They don't call him that. They don't call him Ananias the preacher. They don't call him that. They don't call him uh, 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 Ananias the evangelist. You know what they call him? Ananias the believer. Super normal. Super ordinary. Sounds like a regular dude. Anybody a believer in the house tonight? Come on, you can make a little bit of more noise. Anybody a believer in Jesus? You are the ones that God wants to use. It's funny. It says in Matthew, this is kind of the story that God uses Ananias to reach after Paul. See, Paul wasn't always Paul. His name used to be Saul from Tarsus. Saul from Tarsus indicated Christian terrorist. He was a killer. I mean, this dude was lethal. He ordered Christians to be stoned. He, ordered, like, he, he organized this type of stuff. And God says, Ananias, the believer, the churchgoer, the regular person, I want you to preach to Paul, who was Saul. But when he met Jesus, God said, listen, your name is now Paul. 
God has a new name for those that you're going to be reaching. So the name is Paul. And this is where we pick up the story. This is crazy. That's not the verse. It's uh, verse 10. There you go. Now, there was a believer. Somebody say believer. There was a believer in, the, in Damascus. Woo! There was a believer in Kissimmee. Just chilling. Under the radar. And God called you. And you did something on a regular day to a nobody. And that person ended up reaching thousands. And that wouldn't have happened unless you've been obedient. Just being a believer in your city. Just a believer in Damascus. What happens? The Lord speaks to him in a vision calling Ananias. What does that mean? That means you don't have to be on the altar to have visions from God. You don't have to be preaching to have a relationship that God is talking and you're listening. That can happen even if you're just a church. Oh. Ananias, he said, yes, Lord. Just a regular dude. Just a mediocre, I'm an ordinary dude. I never cast out demons. I never done any miracles. I never healed nobody. But yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. I hope after tonight, man, MBYA, we leave these doors saying, God, I'm here and I'm available. I'm listening. What do you want me to do? I am the one. Sorry, I'm yelling. Lord says, okay, you're listening. Go over to the to straight street. It's a cool name for a street. To the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Keep it right there. Go back to that verse. So, so he says, Saul, Saul of Tarsus is praying to you? Listen, you don't know what the world is dealing with. When God's called you to the world, it's because he has prepared the atmosphere. Woo! I could preach that. We're intimidated to speak to the world because we feel like we're going to be talking a language they don't understand. But when God calls you to speak to people, it's because he already set the atmosphere. He already set the platform. Somebody somewhere saying, God, if you're real, send somebody right now. Send a messenger right now. And you pop in like, yo, what's up? Been talking about church. They're like, whoa, God is real. I know I don't do that church thing, but I just prayed last week. God, give me a sign that you're real. What's to use you? I'm the one. He says, when you get to the house of Judas, I want you to ask for Tarsus, a man named Tarsus, a man named Tarsus, a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. This verse, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Keep that verse up. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, not only was the terrorist praying to a God that he didn't know or understand, but he, he was also given a vision. I'm telling you, church, how many visions are people having of people talking to them about Jesus? How many opportunities do people wake up and say, man, God, you just show me that someone, something's going to happen sometime this week. And I don't know where, I don't know how, but somebody's going to talk to me about you. And that's going to be the moment I give it to you. And then sometimes we're put in these situations where we're offering to talk about God in a certain situation. We're just a believer in Kissimmee. We're just a believer in Pointiana, wherever you live. We're just a regular person. And we actually say, man, but I'm a nobody. I'm a regular person. I can't be used right here, right now. But that's not in the nicest attitude. In the beginning, <laughs> he says, but Lord, next verse, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. I know this guy. I heard of him. 
He's murdered some of my friends. I mean, but he's done some things to my homies who've been preachers. I'm just a believer. I'm just a churchgoer. But this dude, he's coming against my leaders. He's coming against my church. He's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Paul. Point number one, Jesus chooses ordinary people to do the extraordinary. I don't know where you thought people get used, how people get used in church. I don't know where you thought the heroes of the Bible, how they get selected. I'm telling you, it's, it's like when, when you're picking the basketball team and everyone's picking the tall and buff dudes. Jesus would be next to you picking on the short little nerd with the glasses and a little, a little cast on. I'm, that, that, that's how crazy our Jesus is. Like, he doesn't look what the world sees as successful and ready. He looks at those who aren't ready, who are unprepared, to those who are actually even disenfranchised and overlooked. I don't know if you know this, but the, the holy disciples that changed the world upside down, these dudes were fishermen. He, Jesus walked by them and said, you willing to follow me? They said, yes, right there. Their purpose began in Jesus. There was no altar call. There was no leader's lap. There was no student leadership. They were available, and they said yes, and Jesus used these men to turn the world around. I don't know who you think God chooses to do stuff, but listen, if you read the Bible, Jesus chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I love this verse, Matthew 20, 16. Man, I still battle with this. So the last will be first and the first will be last. What? What does that mean? Whoever the world puts as number one, whoever the world puts as the last, the back, I don't look at the number ones in the world. I'm seeing the unseen. I don't pick the heroes. I picked the defeated people to do something amazing. Man, I don't know if you've ever been defeated before. I don't know if you ever feel like, man, life is just going. It's just regular. It's just medi mediocre. It's just ordinary. God has a plan for you. You are the one. Here's the truth. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are exactly where God wants you to be. If you're not a believer, we're going to solve that in like five minutes. My boy Jonathan. Can you stand up, Jonathan? He plays soccer. He's amazing. He's the, he's the dog. I sit down. You're making me look short, bro. Sit down. <laughs> If you're a believer in Jesus, you're exactly where God wants you to be. I'm going to read to you another verse. John 13, 6. It says, Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, what do you mean you're going to wash my feet? So, 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 so this is another situation where Jesus is going cross-culture, right? I mean, back in the day, these people didn't have sneakers, they didn't have boots. You know, I got, like, these rain boots on, so, like, I avoid Parnell feet, all right? Parnell feet is basically when you come on a Friday and it rains a little bit and it's kind of muddy and you got sandals on, you're walking in with Parnell feet. It's like dirty and muddy and nasty. So in this time, everyone had Parnell feet. I mean, like, imagine. There were no, like, closed toe shoes. Like, there was, it's all nasty feet. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He said, listen, I want to wash your feet. And everybody's, like, kind of freaked out. He speaks about it. Peter's like, what do you mean? He goes, what do you mean? 
gonna wash my feet. What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh. I cut it, cut it, cut it. I think it'll be a little bit quicker to be honest, but it's all right. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> That's fun. What do you mean you're gonna wash my feet? My feet are dirty, Jesus. What do, you, what do you mean you want to wash my feet? See, back in the day, feet were always nasty and dirty. And, and, and it was literally just cross-culture for a teacher, for the rabbi, for the religious leader, right? That's who Jesus was, to wash the feet of his followers. For the teacher to submit himself to the students. For the parent to submit himself to the children. It just made no sense. So, so what Peter says is like, what do you mean you want to wash my feet? And here's what I want to say with that. Listen, later on in Peter's life, you know what Jesus tells to Peter? Upon you, I will build my church. On you, I'm going to build my church. Isn't that amazing that God has a promise for you, even though sometimes you don't want to do what he wants to do? Here's the thing about Christianity. Newsflash. You're going to do things you don't want to do. That was good for your neighbor, right? Tell your neighbor, you're going to have to do things you just don't want to do. Tell your other neighbor, you already know what's up. Here's the truth. Don't miss out on what God wants to do. Next point. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life based on how you expect him to do things. Don't miss out on what he wants to do because you expected him to work one way. Because you expect him to use you when you're all prepared and ready. Because you expect him to use you when you got all the, the boxes checked up. Okay, now I could be a really good, good Christian. And you're walking by people on your way to church. Man, I'm not going to talk about Jesus until I get more memory scripture. And you're walking by class and people are literally thirsty for Jesus. What happens when you wait for all these things to happen? Listen, while you're waiting to get yourself together, this world is falling apart. How many young adults are not here right now that need to hear this gospel message? that you could have brought tonight. And I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip. I'm saying, listen, you're the ones. I'm not going to grow this church. God is going to grow this church through you and through me. Because if I have breath in my lungs, because I have purpose in my mind, because Jesus is with me, I am the one. I'm going to do what he called me to do. Anybody here tonight? You all here? Come on, let's get a big amen on three. Ready? One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. So just, I'm just going. Verse 7, Jesus replied. So Peter says, I don't, want to, I don't want you to wash my feet. He said, okay, you do not realize what I'm doing. But you later will understand. You don't realize how I'm literally saying to you, I am your leader, but I'm still a servant. You're missing it, Peter. You're missing it. I am your leader. I am your God. I'm willing to be amongst you even when you're dirty. You're missing it, Peter. Nope, you're missing it. If you do not let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Peter said, no, don't wash it. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus says, listen, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. I love the next verse. When you realize that you can't do anything outside the grace of God, look what he said. Uh oh, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Baptize me right now in this little feet bucket. Give me the natural libre baptism. Come on, here's the pop pop. 
What do you mean I can't do anything without you washing me? Listen, if God's going to use you, you need to be usable. If God's going to mold you, you need to be moldable. If God's going to teach you, you need to be a good student. I'm preaching, y'all. You here? Let's go. I'm going to close out. Worship, you come up. Here's a good question. Are you waiting for a position to point people to Jesus or will you let God use you in your current position? So many Christians, listen to me. If you, hear, if you don't hear anything I say, hear this. So many Christians feel like they're not in the position to give God everything. But listen, if you're waiting for a good position, you'll be waiting all your life. Woo! If you're waiting to be in a good place for God to use you, you'll be waiting all your life. If you're going... If, if you're going to step back from what God wants you to be, if you're going to step back to how God's going to use you, if you're going to step back from where God's going to mold you in life, you're stepping back from your purpose. I'm just going to take a pause. You just take a break. You cannot survive without a second without the grace of God. One of my, my favorite things, one of my favorite pastors says, he goes, listen, you can go a long time without eating food. You can go a long time without drinking water. But no one can go a second without him. You can't go a second. And see, right now, I just, I feel the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be over spiritual, but I feel the Holy Spirit in the room right now. He's all over this place. Anybody right now, honestly, you feel the Holy Spirit tugging your heart right now. Shoot your hand up if that's you. You feel it. You feel it. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I want to be over spiritual. Just keep your hands up. I want to pray for you just, just a moment. God's dealing with you. God's working in you. Jesus. Oh, we're the ones. Keep your hand up. I want to pray for you right now. But right now, look at everyone with their hand up, Lord. Jesus. Use us, Father. Strengthen us. Give us your wind to set our sails ahead. Breathe in us, Father. Breathe in us right now. Every hand up, Lord, bless us, lead us, guide us. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Go ahead and put your hands down. There's a blessing coming for you. Amen. It's a blessing coming for you. I want to end on this note. The world is waiting for you to be the one. just waiting for you to be the one. Let's begin to worship. How many guys love our worship team? Anybody love them? Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. God is going to start opening doors for you in your life. Jesus. Come on, begin to stir up just a little bit of faith in the room. Come on tonight, begin to stir up just a little bit of faith. We're going to press in just a little bit. Lord, use me. Lord, guide me. I'm the one that's going to use the grace of God to spread this gospel message. I'm the one. I'm the one. For just a moment, with every head by every eye closed, maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, man, I'm, I, I think I want to make a decision tonight that's going to change my life. Woo 
Maybe you're here tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, man, I, I don't, I'm not too sure about this whole church thing, but man, I know I'm just going to start being the one. I think I want to give my life to Jesus tonight forevermore. I want to consecrate my heart to Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight in the middle of the pews, and man, you feel convicted. You feel like this gospel message just appeared to you in a new way tonight, and you're ready to respond to this sermon. Maybe tonight you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Maybe tonight you need to make a decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. Listen, tonight you're the ones. I'm the one that's going to say yes to Jesus. Listen, on the count of three, there is a response to tonight's sermon. I'm not just teaching good ideas. I'm preaching the Bible. I'm preaching the good news. And there is a response to the sermon tonight. And here's how you respond. If you're in the room tonight, you follow Jesus. I want to encourage you. Most of the people in this room have made this decision probably in the last couple months. We're on the same team. We're the same family. If you want Jesus in your heart tonight and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. Listen, no judgment zone. You're in the right place. We love you. We care for you. We believe in you. Come on, make this decision that most of us have already made in this room. Do not leave this room without the grace of God over your life. If you want Jesus on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. If you want Jesus, shoot your hand up like a rocket. Let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, Seven, eight. Come on, everybody, get on their feet tonight. Come on, let's get up.